Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and in this episode, we're talking about what we wear as music teachers and why it matters. You can find the accompanying article for this episode at colorfulkeys.ie slash one five five. Well, hey there, beautiful teachers. How are you doing? So last week, my mysterious title was about horizons. And this week, for some reason, I'm talking about shimmying into a work shirt. What is this all about? And I've gone totally off track here. Well, no, not at all. And I'm also not talking about something frivolous. This might be an area where you think, oh, well... It doesn't matter what I wear, like, this isn't even important to me. I don't place any value on this. And here's the thing about clothes, and if you've just met me, you won't know this, but I used to work in fashion, okay? So I have thought about clothes quite a bit. And here's the thing about them. If you choose not to care about clothes, you're still choosing a certain look for yourself, no matter what. If you say, well, I don't place any importance on this, I'll just wear whatever, that whatever comes from somewhere, right? So even if it's just any t-shirt you can find and an old pair of jeans, that is a particular style. Even no style is always some particular style. Now again, that might not matter to you, but as a professional, the way we look does matter. The things we choose to wear in our studio might not always affect whether someone chooses to sign up with us. It's not that it's going to be that severe. However, it might affect how parents perceive you and your business and your policies or when they pay you. These things happen in micro-small ways and they're usually unconscious. We all, as humans, have baked into us shortcuts, mental shortcuts. Because we literally could not pay attention to absolutely everything around us all the time. If our brains were made to do that, we would just implode. We wouldn't do anything because we would be noticing every single detail all the time. We don't take in everything. This is one of the reasons I talk about for needing to work on patterns, actually, with kids so much. Because kids don't have as many shortcuts as we do. 
This can mean that they come up with fantastic one-liners that we all absolutely love and have really creative ideas, but it also means that they get distracted and can't file things away as quickly as we can. However, there are pitfalls there, right? When we first meet someone, when people dress a certain way, when we see certain things in people, we default to thinking of them a certain way, without even thinking about it most of the time. And yes, we all need to be questioning our unconscious biases, but these first impressions still do happen. And even if people are good about questioning them, they leave a certain impression, I guess, with people. So what you wear, even if that's a choice to dress more casually, it does matter. And it should be a choice, not something you default to by accident or because you think this is what people in your position might wear. That can be a valid reason, but let's give it some thought. Now, why are we talking about this today? Well, all this month, we're talking about foundational elements of your teaching that you might not have thought about, have thought through. We're doing this to prepare for and to celebrate the launch of an enormous course inside Vibrant Music Teaching. It's called Foundations of Piano Teaching. And yes, I really do mean that grandiose title. This is a big course. It's probably one of the biggest things we've ever released. That's hard to judge. Certainly in word count, it's the biggest course we've ever released. Don't worry, it's not overwhelming. It's very much step-by-step, lesson-by-lesson as we walk you through every aspect of teaching that you need to consider. No, we can't teach you everything about technique ever in one course, but we can give you a foundation in it. And that is what I'm aiming to do in this course. This will be perfect for you if you're a new teacher. However, it will also be great for you if you have a bit of imposter syndrome. If you're worried that you might have missed something somewhere in pedagogy, but you don't know what you don't know, right? I think we've all had that feeling from time to time or on an ongoing basis. And I wish I had this course when I was starting out. That's how I felt. Like, yeah, I kind of think I got everything, but I'm not sure. And I only learned that I did have everything or the things that I didn't have and filled in the gaps as I went through years and years of teaching. So I'm aiming to help you jump to the finish line, as it were. There is no finish line, but jump to that end result of feeling like, yeah, I got all the basics covered. That course is going to be released next Monday. Really looking forward to that. But that is why we have this beginner's mind theme on the blog this month. So last week, we looked at your definition of success as a teacher. This week, we're looking at dress code. Next week, we're going to be looking at your work-life balance as you teach from home. So healthy home teaching habits. And then the week after that, we're looking at teaching beginners. So it's beginner's mind, but it's about your mind as a teacher. It's not about beginner students. That last week will be about beginner students and revisiting how we teach them and what needs to be included in their lessons. So let's get back to the dress code. That's our beginner's mind topic for today, because I think it's something that many teachers don't always consider fully. So as I said, I did work in fashion. So what I'd like to do, first of all, 
is give us four categories to look at when we think about our dress code. Okay, so I'm going to give you four categories. These aren't fixed, but they start to help you put things into groups. And I think that's really useful here. So the top level for an office is going to be formal office wear. This is where you would wear suits and shirts and blouses. Okay, simple enough. Then we've got semi-formal. For me, this is about blazers, work-style trousers, meaning chinos, or chinos is kind of pushing it a little bit, but what you would call slacks in America, we would just call them work trousers, or, yeah, the bottom half of a suit, essentially. Or skirts, and blazers, as I said, and blouses, and shirts, and some nicer tops for ladies. So, in general, at the semi-formal level, here's a weird tidbit about clothing for you. In general, at that semi-formal level, there's very little that's stretchy. If fabrics do have stretch, it's a bit of stretch, built in with elastane or lycra. It's not a high percentage of stretch. In other words, the fabric is woven. Now, this probably doesn't matter to you. You're like, why is she teaching me about fabrics? But I think it's interesting to note that these weird conventions do exist. And they are based on something. It is more effort to wear fabrics that don't stretch. It's less comfortable. And that's almost why this becomes a shorthand for something more formal, right? At the next level, we have smart casual. This is where we'd be wearing dark colored jeans, chinos, and tops. So these can be stretchy, but they're not going to be t-shirts, okay? They're not going to have that crew neck shape. They're going to be more structured than that. For men, it might be a polo shirt. For ladies, it might be, you know, jersey tops draping, that kind of thing. Or dresses, of course. So the last level then, I would just call casual. And this is where we have regular colored jeans. Again, weird convention, right? Why is it that dark colored jeans are more smart casual and then lighter colors are less casual? But here's a weird one. White would be quite a formal color. Well, the white being a formal color, that makes sense if we fit it in with effort. Wearing white is more effort because you can't get it dirty. So it fits that whole profile right there. But light colored jeans and in particular things with lots of acid wash or rips and tears, they're going to be in the really casual bracket. And that's because they're simulating being very worn right? They're your older clothes. Even if they're brand new and the tears are very carefully constructed, they are in that style. And then we've got tracksuit patterns, of course, in here and t-shirts. Also in the shoe department, we've got flip-flops, trainers or runners and that kind of thing. Okay, so that's four categories. These aren't clearly defined categories. They're just to give you an idea. Now I want to take you on a tour elsewhere. Okay, so come with me on a little journey. We're going to go buy some home insurance. And we're considering two different companies here. Okay? We've got AEFI and IAEF. Sound identical, right? Okay. Now, insurance companies can feel interchangeable like this. But in this case, there's going to be a difference. So... You're considering both policies and they look pretty much the same and also different and it's incredibly confusing. So you decide to go in 
to their office. You arrange a meeting with each of them just so that they can talk to you and you can force them to speak in plain English by asking lots of questions. So you book your appointments and you head into the offices of IAEF. And IAEF, you walk in and everyone's wearing shirts or blouses and blazers and then trousers that don't match, right? That's the general style. Now, you don't really notice this while you're there. In fact, you don't really notice it at all. You just go in. It's an insurance company. It looks like an insurance company, but that is what they are wearing. And you have your meeting. You think, yeah, that policy seems fine. You go to the meeting with the other insurance company and you walk into AEFI insurance. And guess what? Everyone is wearing vests or tank tops. And board shorts, like surfing shorts, and flip-flops or sandals. Wouldn't you pause a little bit? I know I would. I'd be wondering what's going on here. I would double-check the sign. I'd look around, wondering if I was actually in a surfer shop headquarters by mistake. Double-check. This is AEFI Insurance Limited, right? You say to the receptionist who's wearing a bright pink tank top, and she says, Yep. Okay, so you have your meeting. Not gonna be rude, but it all feels weird. Now, everything is pretty much the same. Like I said, the policies seem pretty identical. This person answers your questions, same as the other one. But no one says anything about the fact that they're all dressed like surfers. So it doesn't seem to be some particular special day. There's no signs. This is just how they dress here, and there doesn't seem to be any relevance to what they do. Which one are you going to choose? I think I would choose the first one. I think I'd be so befuddled by the second one, especially if there's no reason. Like, if they had some funny theme, if it was all based on some pun on their name, I'd be like, okay, fine. But without that, and even maybe with that, With insurance, I'm thinking, no, I just want the safe, normal insurance. I don't want the special surfer people insurance. (laughs) Okay? So, we are not in that strict of a box or that clear of a boundary in our piano studio. I'm not trying to say that. But, people do perceive us a certain way based on what we wear. So this is why I want you to consider having a uniform or a dress code doesn't have to be an actual uniform, although if you are someone who hates picking out their clothes in the morning, maybe it is. Maybe that's the ideal solution, because if you want to get out of the dressing game, when I was talking in the intro about people who say, oh, I just wear whatever, I'm totally not focused on what I wear, it doesn't matter to me, I'm just going to choose the default. Well, honestly, I think a uniform is the best solution for you. Just get your logo printed on a few polo shirts and wear those. Like, I think that's an easy solution. But assuming you want to stay with me and have some personality in what you wear, then let's think about what that is going to be. What kind of dress code are you going to have? We had those four layers. Are we going to be formal, semi-formal, smart, casual, casual? And we don't have to fit into one of those boxes, but I think they're useful frameworks. For me, The simplest answer here, if you don't have an instinct straight away of how you want to be perceived and the right level for you, I think we should just look at what school teachers wear in your area. Because 
it's really hard to gauge what's going to be right for you from over here, right? I'm here in Dublin, in Ireland. We dress a certain way. We have certain conventions. If you live in India, if you live in Southern California, if you live in Alaska, if you live wherever, it's going to be different for you. But if you look at what school teachers are wearing, I think that's useful. The reason is, I think we, in general, as a community, want to be perceived as real teachers, in air quotes, right? We want to be seen pretty much as teachers at that level and as professionals in that way. And so if you just go with roughly what a school teacher, a respectable school teacher in your area would wear, that's a good default option. If school teachers where you live all wear suits, maybe you should wear suits, right? Here, they would be about what I described in smart casual, which is also roughly what I wear for teaching. So I wear black jeans and dark colored jeans, not light colors and not not jeans with rips in them, although I don't happen to wear those generally, but I don't wear my light colored jeans. I would wear a dark color, like a deep wine, again, because those basically all kind of look like chinos. Now they don't actually, but they're perceived to be at the same level of formality. Or I wear work style trousers as well. Slacks, right? And then I wear dressier tops, no t-shirts really, but I will wear like a woven t-shirt. Again, I'm being specific here in case it's useful for some of you, but feel free to ignore me when I'm not making sense to you <laughs> in terms of the fashion stuff. I will wear cardigans generally over what I uh, over my tops, and I will also wear dresses with leggings or with tights. So that's just a rough idea of what I wear. Now, if you watch any of my videos, you will see what I wear because it's the same thing for videos as it is for teaching, right? So if you want to see it in action, just watch my YouTube videos. That's what I look like when I teach. That might not be the right answer for you. Maybe that's not acceptable for teachers in your area. Or maybe if a teacher in, walked into a school wearing that in your area, like wearing a blazer like I sometimes do, everyone would look at them and say, ooh, look at you, right? It would be too much. So if that's the case for you, maybe you want to tone it down. That's fine. I'm not here to prescribe. I just want you to think about it. I just want you to come up with your little dress code and start to define what the parameters of it are. Because on any individual day, you can be feeling lazy. <laughs> uh, you can have sore legs from doing something or other. You can be feeling this way or that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't dress comfortably because you absolutely should. It's just about having that definition so that it makes getting dressed easier. There's another consideration here, kind of a bonus consideration. And that is the mindset that comes along with what you wear. I know many of us during the pandemic tried to see it as a bonus that we didn't have to get dressed the same way. And for online teaching, we certainly, even though unlike other people, people do kind of see our bottom half because we often have an overhead view of the piano, right? So they see your legs. So it's not like other people where you can just wear pajamas on your bottom and no one will ever see them. However, we could certainly get away with just any dark colored trousers. So they could be tracksuit bottoms and no one's going to be able to tell the difference. If you didn't realize that secret, there you go. <laughs> you might be too late for that now. 
But here's the thing about all of that. For some people, they find that really affected their transition into work time. And actually for me, the way I function day to day is I dress a certain way in the morning. I wonder if any of you are like this. Let me know if you are. I dress a certain way in the morning. And then at about 2 p.m., I change into teaching clothes. I don't actually wear my teaching clothes all morning unless I have a special meeting or something like that. So I wear, you know, workout clothes if I'm doing exercise or jeans or stuff covered in paint a lot of the time if I'm doing something messy in the morning. And then I change at two-ish into teaching clothes. And I find that actually really helpful for getting into teaching mode. There's a different, not like frame of mind. There's a different way of thinking that you need to be in to get ready for teaching, right? You kind of have to gear yourself up for it. And so I find it really useful to actually be changing my outfit to get ready for that. Now, that might sound like a palaver to you, but if it's useful, that is useful for me. Some people, though, do like to get fully dressed in the morning and that helps them feel like they're ready for the full day. And I totally get that. So whatever works for you, but do consider how what you wear affects how you think about your activity. No, people always talk, especially in reference to women, right? So I don't want to heap on that. Like, oh, dress yourself up, you'll feel better. And I sometimes think that can be almost harmful because we're saying, oh, you have to look good to feel good, and you don't. (laughs) But dressing a certain way or getting changed for a certain activity can help you to get in the zone for that activity. So that's all I'm talking about there. Now, I would love to hear what you wear for your teaching. What are the conventions around where you are? Has a adult student or a parent or a kid ever reacted to you a certain way, positive or negative, based on what you wear? Right? I would love to hear your opinions about this topic. I think it is more important than we give it credit for. So head over to the Vibrant Music Studio Teachers Group on Facebook. Love to hear from you there. If you're a member, just tag me in the forums and let me know your thoughts. And if you want to post a comment on the show notes, that's welcome to there at colorfulkeys.ie slash 155. I'll see you one of those places and I'll catch you here next week. Vibrant Music Teaching members get five new games or resources at least every single month that keep them inspired and wanting to become a better teacher each and every day. If you want to join the best community of teachers online, you can go to vmt.ninja and sign up today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it, and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July, and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.